Well, hey, everyone, and welcome in today, wherever you're joining us from. We're glad you're with us. Uh, These are crazy times, huh? Uh, We know we can't go to church right now, but that isn't going to stop us from being the church, right? And uh, just as we're taking... You know, a lot of extra measures right now to take care of our physical well-being. It makes sense that we would pay attention to our spiritual well-being as well. So thanks for joining in today with Mountain. Um, I'm thinking of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, that says, Let's not give up meeting together, even though it would be super easy to do. Um, Let's still meet together. And then it goes on to say, let's encourage one another. I'm so glad we can still meet together right here, right now. And I believe as we open God's Word together today, it's going to be a huge encouragement uh, to you. I think we can all use a little bit of encouragement right now. So, uh, you know, it's amazing what we're learning is that in this time of social distancing, when it's so easy, I think, for people to feel isolated and alone, we're staying more connected than ever. Um, we got to stay apart, but we can stay apart, a part of what God is doing and, and uh, a part of this community. So don't miss, you probably already heard about our new morning show on Facebook. It's a live event starting on Monday. We'll run it every day of the week at 8 a.m. Some of our team will lead through a time. It'll be some fun, some worship, devotion, encouragement. Not going to want to miss that. A lot of great content planned with groups and kids and students. Um, so follow us on social media pages and in Ben's notes. That's how you're going to learn about what's happening. Okay? You know, with so many people staying at home right now, what I read the other day was that they're predicting that in nine months from now, there's going to be a big baby boom. And then I was thinking 13 years later, that's going to give rise to the next generation. And I was thinking, maybe we should call that generation the quarantines. Huh? What do you think? You like it? Maybe that should go viral. Or maybe I probably shouldn't use that word viral right now. I don't know. Listen. Corona is no joke and no laughing matter, so be sure to keep your prayers um, active for everyone who's suffering around the world, um, not just people that you know, but around the world, and professionals and leaders around the globe who are, are trying to lead through this kind of thing. Every day they update the number of people who have been diagnosed with COVID-19, and that number's still growing. And it got me to wondering if they could show a statistic for the number of people with anxiety and worry and stress and fear, approaching panic, if they showed those numbers every day, would that also be kind of like a contagion, almost epidemic? I think it would. So maybe you don't have the virus, or maybe you're not worried about the virus particularly, but the stress of the situation, the economic impact, the, the disruption to our living conditions, just the general uncertainty of everything. It's enough to spread anxiety, even in the calmest of situations. And I just think it's just a marvel to me how God was looking out for us long before we knew anything about any of this. And we planned this series called Anxious for Nothing. Because before any of this hit us, anxiety was already the top problem in this country. And I doubt things have improved since we're now in a state of emergency. And with all the struggle and, and uh, anxiety uh, that each of us experiences at some level, here's the good news. God can help us win the war on worry. Through Christ, you and I can find peace even in a pandemic. Now, next week, 
I want to give you, uh, I think, what's going to be so much strength and encouragement as we talk about who God is, because what you think about God is the most important thing about you, and it's also the most important factor in your fear and how you deal with all this. That's next week. But today, we're going to wrap up our Anxious for Nothing series with a secret that is perhaps the most important thing in this entire passage we've been looking at from the book of Philippians. So let's read it together one last time in this series. I want to encourage you to read it out loud. Last week, We had, I don't know, 10,000, 11,000 people join us in our online worship experience. So just know that wherever you are right now and however you're feeling, you're not alone. You're connected with God's people and His Word as we read out loud together. Now, before we do, let's kind of remember the context. I know some are just joining us, so let's fill in some blanks here. These are words written in the book of Philippians to people in Philippi by a guy named Paul. He had plans that got disrupted And everything in his future was uncertain and in change. He got put literally in lockdown. He had gone to Rome on a mission, but he got thrown in jail instead. So he's awaiting a verdict for his future. And his situation in many ways is interesting and like ours, uncertain, cooped up. Um, Except he wasn't practicing social distancing because he had someone chained to him, uh, guarding him. And in that setting where Paul is undoubtedly hungry, cold, maybe some rats running around, you know, between his legs or something, he's in prison, but he talks about peace. This guy in jail is talking about joy. And he doesn't know any more about his future than we know about ours, but he says, man, you can't avoid the presence of anxiety but you don't have to live in the prison of anxiety. And so let's read these words. Fill your lungs with air, your hearts with hope, and let's read together. Everyone join in from home from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Are you ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So as you recall, we've been pulling out uh, kind of antidotes to anxiety. And just to quickly review, they spell the word calm, C-A-L-M. C stands for celebrate because you can choose joy. A is ask because prayer paves the way to peace. And L is list it. Be thankful because gratitude is so powerful to anxiety and they can't occupy the same space. So make a list. And M stands for mind your mind because how you feel in your gut is determined by what you put in your mind, in your brain. Now, as we said last week, a lot of people these days are going to the CDC website, you know, Center for Disease Control. That's a great thing. Um, And we started working our way through these new letters, CDC, because they mark out three awesome beliefs that really shape our behavior. 
and they reshape our anxiousness big time. And you grab a hold of these things, I promise you they will change the way you respond in times like these. So here are the letters, CDC, right? And the first C we noted last week is calm. Calm is contagious. It turns out that it's not just COVID-19 that spreads, but so does fear and panic and freaking out. All that stuff can go viral, but calm is contagious. And when you're certain the Lord is near and with us, you have gentleness that will be evident to everyone around you, and that non-anxious presence will be contagious. And not only is God here and with us, God is in control, and that's the D. D stands for divine sovereignty, which is a fancy way of saying, y'all, God is in control. And when you understand that, you begin looking at every situation, no matter how horrible it may appear, as an obstacle, you begin to look at it as an opportunity to grow and to learn and expect God to do something because you know He's going to. So the best thing we can do is surrender control to the one who's in control anyway. Calm is contagious, the Lord is near. Divine sovereignty, God's in control, who's flying your plane. Today, we want to focus on the last C of CDC. Calm, divine, and now contentment. Contentment is found in Christ. Contentment. Being content, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're kind of callous or cold or don't care. It doesn't mean you don't have any problems. It means that you have found a sense of calm and peace. It's exactly what we're looking for. So right after these verses that we just read together, Paul says these incredible words, which possess the power to move from panic to peace through this crisis that we're in now or any time in your life. Listen to what he says. This is Philippians 4 verses 11 to 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. I mean, think think about that. He's in jail, but he's like, I'm good. I'm, I'm not in need. And, and who says that? I mean, Paul, you're hungry. You've been beaten with rods. You're sitting in jail. You're unsure of your future. Paul, what do you need right now? And he's like, I'm good. I, I really am. What are you talking about, Paul? He says, well, I've learned something. This isn't something that comes naturally to us, friends. He says, I had to learn this. And I, I'm hoping each of us learns it today. So it's not that you become immune to human feelings. Uh, you have to learn this this skill, this insight, this understanding. And when you do, it'll give you the same incredible power that Paul had so that even though he's locked up, he's free from the burden of his circumstances because he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I've been there. I know what it is to have plenty. I've been rich. I've been poor. But I can tell you, he says, it's not about that. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation when I've been well fed, when I've been hungry, when I've had plenty, when I've been in want. And here is the thing. He says in verse 13, he says, I can do all this. I can handle anything. Bring on the circumstances, the situation, the virus, the shutdown, the lockdown, the lock me up, beat me up. I don't care. I can handle it. Not because I'm so great, but I can do it through Jesus because he gives me strength. This is such a powerful principle. Paul says in other places, I got to be honest, I feel pretty weak right now. I'm not feeling so great, but that's okay because when I'm weak, he is strong and Christ gives me strength. You can learn this same principle that Paul learned. You can learn this secret and be content whatever the circumstances. I have a hunch that might be pretty important in the coming days. So whether you have uh, 
plenty of toilet paper in your house or you need more Purell, I don't know. Your income might be high or, or frozen right now. Or your fridge, I don't know if it's full or empty. Or, 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 but listen, as important as those things may be, they're not the sole drivers of our contentment, is his point. And you have incredible power and the same strength Paul had. The strength that doesn't come from yourself, but even in your weakness, comes from Jesus. Now, I love what Paul does there. He says, hey, I know a secret. Want to know a secret? You know, when someone says that, it's like teasing you. It's like, it's kind of like, did you hear about that? It's like, you want to kind of listen in, like, what's, what's the secret? I, I, do you want to know what I know, he says? And of course we do. Okay, he says, I got a secret to being happy. Whatever's going on in your life, really? When a guy in lockdown, on quarantine, says, I'm happy as can be, because I know a secret, I want to know that secret, don't you? Because we can't go to the movies, we can't, we can't hang out with friends, we can't go on vacation, we can't do all this, we can't you know, buy milk, can't go to school, I, you know, the list goes on. Paul says, if you think that way, and how horrible our circumstances are, you don't know the secret. I'm going to show you a secret where you can be happy in every single situation in your life. So he gives us some clues. I want to, I want to share them with you one at a time. The secret that will set you free from this prison of anxiety and grumbling negativity. He says, first of all, peace doesn't come from possessions. Peace doesn't come from possessions. You can buy a house, um, but there's no money in the world that will make it a warm home. You, you, can, you can use money to buy a nice big bed, but it's not going to help you sleep at night. Right? You can pay for amusement and entertainment, but you might still be lonely. You can't buy peace. It doesn't come from possessions, and Paul has learned this. Peace is not something you can park in your garage. You don't have to pay a mortgage on it. So listen, if your happiness right now in your life is depending on what you drive or what you wear, what kind of phone you have, or what your deposits in your account looks like, or the stock market moving up and to the right, or whether you're going to get a big tax return here because the deadline hasn't changed for us. Or whether you're going to get that new pool put in or you know, be able to take that vacation. Listen to me. Your happiness, if it depends on that, you're in for deep disappointment. The kind of disappointment that leads even to disillusionment, maybe even despair. Because those things, while they can provide a temporary um, enjoyment that's a false sense of security... And they, they give us a sense that we have enough and that we're comfortable. And, and now, uh, you know, I'm just wondering if in this unusual time that when some of these creature comforts are taken away from us, maybe we're going to be forced to recognize what's always been true, that we have to find our peace in something other than our possessions now that they're really out of our reach. So this is a hard word I'm about to say. And I, I think some of us might even kind of be brought to our knees a little bit in this time. And God's going to use that in a good way if we'll allow Him. Because we're not in control. I think some of us are going to have some fear and some shock and frustration, maybe even some financial desperation. And it could be that in that tough situation, God is going to use this time in His graciousness to help you know that while He's with you and in your sadness and loss and all of that, that the most important thing that could happen in any of our lives would be that we would finally rely on our ultimate peace and happiness coming from God and God alone. It's in Jesus. And if you've got it in Jesus, friends, you've got it because nothing can take that away. Peace doesn't come 
in possessions. So we're living in a time, you know, where we're kind of hunkering down and we're more mindful than ever about our possessions. And so just be aware of that. That's what's going on for all of us. Like, do I have enough? I have this incredible, I don't want to be a hoarder, but I'm like, do we have enough toilet paper? Just like you're saying, you know, do we have the right stuff? Let's remember, peace doesn't come through possessions. There's lots of rich people who are not content. But if you're content, you are rich. And if you're content with what you have, you'll never be content with with. Let me say that again. If you're not content with what you have, you'll, you'll never be content with what you don't have. Because the happiest person is one who is content with what you already got. So just be aware um, of that, how maybe especially advertisers love to prey on our insecurities here. But there's more going on than just them trying to get a dollar out of your pocket. They want to create a dissatisfaction that's not good for us spiritually. They want to create a discontent in us. So we can say, you know, I, I, I am, I'm not complete. I am empty. I don't have enough. I need something else. I need more to be happy and to have peace. I need that new diet plan for, for small payments of whatever a month. I need that new car. I need that new phone. I need that new outfit. I need that pizza that's on the screen right now. I got to order. I need that 1970s soft rock collector's edition CD set. I need that contraption on this infomercial that I did not know existed a few minutes ago, but now I know I cannot survive without it. It's trying to create in us this sense where this insatiable appetite for more can never be filled and, and get us to spend money believing the lie that possessions produce peace. But don't forget, God says, I'll provide your needs. I made you. I'm enough. And when we forget that, it's not just that we're spiritually restless. It's like we're spiritually rebellious against God, our provider and our protector, saying, God, thank you, um, but you're actually not enough for me. You know, I appreciate you trying to help and all, but you don't understand. I actually need more stuff to get peace. And we fall for that lie of our security and our protection coming from other sources. Do you ever notice the Ten Commandments right in there? Don't covet. That means don't look at your stuff and go, hey, look at my neighbor's stuff. I, I wish I had his stuff. So be comforted by Psalm 23, which reminds us that we have a great shepherd, a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And then what's the next words? I shall not want. I, I will not be in want. I have everything I need because God, you are enough. During this coronavirus time, I think when we're home, it'd be a good time to surrender some of our fears to the Lord and say, I'm not going to fall for the lie that one more trip to the store would make me feel totally at peace. That if I had more money in my bank account right now, I'd be at peace. But to say, God, you are enough. You're my shepherd. You're my provider. Because I know it's not produced by possessions. That's the first clue. The second clue he gives, the secret to contentment. He says, happiness doesn't hinge on a happening. Happiness doesn't hinge on a happening. Did you know that surveys show that six out of seven dwarves aren't happy? Think about that. That's a bad joke, I realize. Yeah, it's not just six out of seven dwarves that aren't happy. I'd say about six out of seven people probably aren't happy because we too many of us believe that happiness hinges on something happening. And if you believe that, you're also bound for disappointment. Paul says happiness doesn't depend on a happening. Circumstances around him did not affect his joy. Nero could sentence him to death, and he was okay with that because he says, I know the secret in all circumstances. So, friends, right now it'd be really tempting to just say, you know, I was so happy before all this, when life was calm and predictable and we had my routine. 
But now with all this going on, how can I be happy? So we kind of justify ourselves at being grumpy or dumpy or dopey or, or whatever. How can I be happy when all this is happening? And, and, and we tell ourselves as soon as some other stuff happens, well, then I can be happy, but not now. And if that's your strategy for happiness, you're going to be disappointed. Let me ask you what, are you, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting to happen before you're going to allow yourself to be happy, to find joy? What are you telling yourself in the back of your mind maybe, you know, when that happens, things will be good. I'll be good. I'll feel whole. It'll be good. When things settle down, when I meet someone special who loves me like I want to be loved, when, when I get married, when I get divorced, when I grow up, if only I could be like a kid again, if only my boss would treat me better, if everyone around me would start acting differently, if the world wasn't so mean, if politics went the way I wanted it to, when this virus passes, all this stuff, you know, those are all maybe good things, and may many of them happen to you. I hope they do. But when we think of happiness as this elusive thing on the other side in another room, and there's this door that has to hinge open called happiness, a happening for me to get to it, we don't have control over that hinge. So, good news, the secret is that true happiness doesn't hinge on happening. The room we're in now can have happiness in it. Nothing else needs to happen in your life for you to be and experience true happiness. Nothing else needs to happen in your life for you to, to be truly happy if you have Jesus in your life. Third thing Paul gives us as a little clue about the secret is, is this. He says, accomplishments, they don't erase anxiety. Accomplishments don't sort of solve everything for us. Paul was very accomplished. He had the highest pedigree. If you look over in chapter 3, it talks about how he came from the right family. He was a, from the right tribe, the right side of town. He was a straight-A student, super dedicated, went to the best Ivy League school, got the most impressive degree, you know, lots of professional success. Everybody looked up to him because uh, in the world that he lived in, he had it all. Accomplishments, accolades, achievements... He says, if anyone has a reason to be confident in themselves, it was me. But here's what he says. But now I know that Jesus, now that I know Jesus, I look back at all those accomplishments and I say, man, I've lost a lot of that. I've lost my status. I've lost my cred in terms of the world's eyes. But I don't care. Why? Because I have Jesus. Jesus is better than being a CEO, getting promoted, getting an award, finishing a project. All that stuff pales compared to what he calls the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. He says it more strongly than that. Look at, look at chapter 3, verse 8. He says, What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And then he says, I consider them garbage. That word literally means what it says. Everything that I valued so much, I consider a trash heap, a pile of crud, dumpster material, compared to the fact that I have now gained Christ and I can be found in Him. Paul says, I'm seeing life so clearly now. What mattered before was so important, and now it's so worthless and stupid, like a pile of trash. I, I, I lost some of that stuff. I, I thought it was so important, but it doesn't even matter to me, because I've got Christ. When China was going through some difficult times many years ago, some missionaries were told they had to evacuate. They were getting kicked out of the country immediately. Some soldiers came to the door and told them all this and said, we're going to be back tomorrow morning to get you. 
and take you to the train station. And you can take with you 200 pounds of stuff. That's it. 200 pounds, not an ounce more. So they began to pack and sort and weigh things. Oh, my, what am I going to take? You know, this vase. Oh, it was given to me by my mother. Weigh it. Well, I want to take it. Oh, these books. Oh, they're so heavy, but let's take as many as we can. These dishes, this photo album, they weighed everything, packed it up into a big box, and they were ready to go. The next morning, the soldiers came, and they said, Are you ready? And they said, We're ready. Soldiers said, You got 200 pounds? They said, We got 200 pounds. Did you weigh the kids? No, we didn't weigh the kids. You better weigh the kids. And suddenly, everything that they once held dear as a treasure was garbage. And out it went as they weighed their kids. And friends, you know, there are certain moments in life when you realize what's truly important. We're in one of those times right now. And the thing that matters most and that can help us the most, the thing you want to make sure you have with you, that's Jesus. To know Him and the power of His resurrection that can be at work in our lives. Because peace isn't found in possessions. Happiness doesn't depend on a happening. And anxiety won't go away with accomplishments. The secret is to land where Paul did. Look at the way he said it in chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what he says. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ. What's he saying? He's saying, Jesus is my life. Christ my life. He's everything to me. He's the most important thing. By comparison, everything else is trash. That's how he finds his contentment. To live is Christ. So what does that mean, to say to live is Christ? He's saying, it's like, that's what he's into. That's what's important to him. You know someone sometimes who's like really into sports. That's what they pay attention to. Their whole life revolves around it. You say, that family, that kid, or that guy, their sports is his life. Or an absentee husband or workaholic father. You look and you say, man, his business is his life. Why? Because he's there all the time. It's what he cares about and what he works hardest at. She's just crazy about staying in shape. Fitness is her life. What's your life? What do you really care about the most? For some of us, it might be our kids or grandkids or boyfriend or girlfriend. His life revolves around golf or fishing or your friends or gaming or social media or someone you're married to. I don't know. What you care about and spend time and money and focus on on a daily basis, that is your life. Paul says, for me, my, my, my life used to be about so many other things that a lot of people thought were awesome. I did too. But now I just want to know Jesus because when He's my life, nothing can take that away. Nothing can touch that. Nothing can therefore phase my happiness. And I do know Him. I know the Son of God, He says, who loved me and gave His life up for me and has forgiven me and is with me every moment to make my life better and promises me eternal life, brings me into a family where I'm never alone. I have friendship, fellowship, Christ, is my life, and that's the secret that you can learn too. Jesus is the most important thing, and He's not going anywhere. You, 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 if you're quarantined, you, you can still get to Him. You're never going to go to the store, and they're going to be out of Jesus. He's not going anywhere, y'all. And if I have Him, and He's my source of peace and happiness and calm, nothing can touch it. That's the secret. So let me ask you a question. What's the most important thing in the world to you? How would you fill in this blank? 
to me, the most important thing about living is blank. Or blank is my life. What goes in the blank for you? And if it's career or safety or retirement, grandkids, your health even, those are good things. And I hope you have them, but you don't have control over them. And they won't truly make you happy. And one day, they'll all go away. You can only put 200 pounds in the box. So in Paul's day, the happiest guy in Rome was not Nero in the palace who had all the possessions and all the control over the happenings and all the accomplishments to his credit. The happiest guy in Rome was a preacher named Paul in a prison with open sores on his back and handcuffs because he knew the secret for being happy in every situation and that was having Jesus. And when you've got Jesus, man, you've got the most important thing and nothing can take it away. He's your untouchable treasure, the only solid rock in a shaky time, the only vaccine for anxiety that really works. So listen, I hope you get the spouse and the house and the car and the job and the promotion. And really, I do. I hope you don't get the virus and you get a lot of accomplishments, all of that. But if you count on it, it's going to let you down. But if you count on Christ, you will never be disappointed because nothing, no one, no virus, no lockdown, no quarantine, no calamity can take it away. Your contentment, my friend, is in Christ. To live is Christ, to die is guy. And hey, before we leave, I want to just leave you with one quick thing. What does he mean when he says to die is gain? Well, he's saying we're all going to die one day, and he says I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. I'm not crazy about dying. The process is going to be difficult and painful. I don't want to do it. But to be honest, Paul says I, I, I've had some shipwrecks and been bitten by snakes and thrown in jail and beaten and whipped and all that stuff. I got this nasty thorn in my flesh. I, life's tough. We live in a virus-filled world. But I'm going to go on living, and I'm going to focus on Christ, and I can have joy no matter what. No one can take that away from me. But when I die, I'm going to go be with him full time in glory and all these problems and viruses and shortages and headaches and heartaches and loneliness and pain and suffering, all of it goes away and it's just Christ without the downside. So I'm good. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's the key to getting through this and every other situation with contentment. Final verse 13, he says, I can do it all through Christ who gives me what? Strength. Let me just leave you with this. That word for strength is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. What I'm about to say falls into the category of stuff parents wish I wouldn't say in front of their kids. But I'll tell you, one time a bunch of friends of mine and I made a bomb with dynamite type stuff in it. And we went out to Dave's farm and we dug a hole in this big old mound. We put the bomb down inside of it and piled the dirt up over it and a bunch of debris and stuff. And then we ran as far away as we could and lit it. And we waited and we covered our ears and kaboom, it exploded and blasted all that stuff to smithereens. And it was amazing and really cool for a bunch of kids, right? Not much left of the old mound after that. I learned the power of dynamite. Paul says, you need to learn the power and the strength of the dynamite, the dynamite of Christ. Because With Him, you can make it. You can do it. He's not saying, Jesus, I can do all things. You'll help me pass my driver's test without even studying. I'll get a hole-in-one every time I play golf. You know, no. He's saying, here's the secret. I don't care what happens to you, what circumstances you find yourself in. Jesus is like dynamite, and He can blast His way through whatever the mound is. I can do all things through Christ who blows stuff up. 
So I know a lot of us have some real fears right now piled up in a big old mound in front of us. And when you think about everything going on, maybe it feels like a big old mound of anxiety standing before you, going crazy with the kids at home, going to miss your senior year, someone you love is stuck overseas, you're in the military, National Guard, or healthcare, and you don't know if you're going to be exposed, worried about your aging parents, or you've got immunocompromised stuff going on in your family, or you can't see your friends, your business is in trouble, finances are tough. This is like a mountain of stuff in front of us blocking our path to peace. But you need to know the secret. To get through anything in life, you make Jesus the most important thing. And He may not change your situation. He may not remove all the bad circumstances. But here's what He will do. He'll blast His way through any fear, panic, or anxiety in front of you. And you can say, I did it. I got through it. I can do anything through Christ. He's my dynamite, my strength, my peace, my hope, and my God. Let's pray together, my friends. God, we, we call out to you right now, and we are so grateful for how you um, promise us that we can find peace in every situation. And I pray for my friends listening now that you'll touch them with the power of your word, that we will make... Um, allowances in our heart to yield to you so that you will be number one for us because if we have Jesus, Lord, if we trust him with our lives, put him first and quit leaning on other things, Lord, Lord, nothing can take it away. Give us peace in all circumstances. Help us to be content in Christ, our strength. We pray it in his strong name. Amen.